The job. The stress. We are, there is an active shooter working at Douglas. Multiple gunshots are being fired. Politics. Politics. Pressure. Pressure. Get out of here. We got a guy with a long rifle. We don't know where the hell he's at. Fear. Survival. Control 765, I need the radio for a minute. Be advised, we are taking fire from a very high floor. We believe it's possibly coming from the Mandalay Bay. And we get it. And we have to do better. The truth behind the badge. Presented by the Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. This is another episode. It's uh, Sunday, May 10th, and I am joined by, we will call him Uncle G from New York. How are you, Uncle G? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good, thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for joining us this morning. My pleasure. How's the weather up there? It's uh, it's a little bit rainy over here, but I'm not going to complain. I heard you guys had some snow. Just a dusting. It's uh, 51 out today. But with the wind chill, it feels like a nice winter day. I'm done. Two more years, I'll be down there with you. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> looking forward to it. I bet you are, too. How long have you been in law enforcement? Uh, about 18 years now. 18 years. All right. I want this episode to be just about your thoughts, your feedback. Given you've got 18 years of law enforcement experience, you've probably seen it change a little bit from when you started to now. Would you agree? Oh my God. Yeah. All right. Let's expand on that Big a little difference. bit. What do you, what do you think? What's one of the major changes you've seen? You know, honestly, one of the biggest things that I've seen out there is just the, uh, disregard for law enforcement across the country. I mean, not just including our area. Social media has been good and social media has hurt law enforcement. I think in a lot of the ways social media has helped law enforcement is, is once it's probably displayed, it generally clears and shows officers across the country, I would like to say 99% of the time are always doing the right thing. And it's that 1% where social media hurts law enforcement is they show that one part of that clip that's making the officer look bad. And anyone in law enforcement knows, or anyone that even has family within law enforcement knows, or anyone that's even had a fight in their life knows, if you have another party that does not want to do something, it's very hard to make them do that. So someone may see from a one-minute clip on uh, YouTube, on a Facebook, on a Twitter account of an officer trying to actively place someone underneath arrest. And they truly don't see how gentle those officers are being. Whereas it's just outright street fight beating on them. So in turn, now where I've really seen a lot of the changes is normal people who used to like the police hate the police have a negative experience about the police. I remember when I started ride down the street, wave at people, and they would wave back at you. Now you wave at people, and people that generally have no reason, probably have had no interaction with the police, now dislike the police because they're told they should dislike the police. The media now is just very rare. You see a positive story about a police officer 
we lose an officer so much in this country and it's barely, barely mentioned. When I was a kid, if a police officer died, it's like, oh my God, I mean, you were as a citizen scared and nervous. Like, oh my God, you killed a cop. Now today, it's barely mentioned, it's a whisper. It's generally police and police family that are forwarding it on Facebook, and generally police officers and police family or those who really do support us out there, you know, putting RIP or, or making a comment. So really a lot of that swing where I've seen is just the general people distaste and distrust for us. And that that really actually hurts me because I've worked with great cops. I worked alongside great cops. I've backed up agencies of great cops. I've gone to police week and met amazing officers. There's always knuckleheads in the group. But for the most part, we have one of the best solid foundations out there in, as in law enforcement. One percent of us are bad across the country. But the change from when I started to now is we are looked as bad, bad people. And I even see it now with the children. That and a lot of these laws, I mean, in New York, I could, if you lived in New York right now and you're married, you have a girlfriend, you have a spouse, someone that lives in your home. Someone breaks in your home, attempts to rape your wife, your fiance, your partner, your daughter. You come home, they run out the back door, I arrest them. They get an appearance ticket. An appearance ticket. Not only do they get the appearance ticket, their defense attorney now has the ability to receive your daughter, your spouses, your wife, your partner's information, and the attorney and the defendant have the right to come back in your home and go through your home. You know, I heard about this, you, and it's unbelievable. I, I don't understand how that could have even happened. It is disgusting. 18 years ago, you go to jail for that. Yeah, as, as you should. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Now, let me ask you this. How many of these women that were just tra traumatized, they feel like victims, and they have no rights? And on top of that now, are they going to testify? Are they going to come down the station and, and, and give you a statement knowing that this person is going to be back in your home no, and not, have all your contact information? It's absolutely scary, and you're, you're re-victimizing them. You touched, on a couple, you touched on a lot of good points over there, one of which really struck out for me. Not too long ago, we did a podcast, myself, uh, Sam, and Elmira, and she was a, a black female, young adult, living in Broward County, Florida, and Sam had asked her why she has these views. She's, she's supportive of law enforcement. She's, mm -hmm. I, I don't even know if I would say pro-law enforcement. She's not against us. She's supportive, but she is terrified. She is scared. If she gets pulled over, what's going to happen? And Sam, as a black police officer, he said, listen, I'm a black male. You tell me, when have we had an incident like you've seen on social media in, in South Florida that makes, you, that makes these petrified feelings justified? And both of them agreed they haven't. We haven't had these incidents. So to your point about social media, here we have somebody that's not, raised to be against the law enforcement community. She's not against law enforcement, 
but she's absolutely petrified of us because of what she's seen on social media from these very brief clips that you speak of. Yes, it's, 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 it's hurtful. You know, when I first started hearing that, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like, yeah, okay. Then I would actually be offended. I'd be like, for real? You're nervous from the police. And then as time has gone by, I'm like, these people aren't bullshitting me. They truly feel this way. And then, you know what? Then you start paying attention to social media. You start watching. You start looking. Me, personally, I try to avoid it because I just don't want my blood pressure, and I don't want to start debating idiots on Facebook. (laughs) But I see it, and I can understand. I mean, we know, right? As an example, we both have children. And to our children, like, if one of the guys stopped by my house in uniform, grabbed something to eat, whatever, my daughter seeing a cop is in, is in a thing to her. You know, it's not like, oh, my God, that's a cop. You know, she'd be like, oh, eh, that's just uh, Sonny stopping over eating some food. You know what I, you know what I mean? Right. You forget. You get so detached. You forget how people see us. I go in a store sometimes without my gear on. I'm just off duty and I happen to be riding by and I'm stopping and grab something. Some of the people don't even recognize me. And you've seen, you know me, you know I mean? It's, I'm like, wow, you don't recognize me? Seriously? You forget how people see you in uniform. And if a child that grows up seeing that, she doesn't feel that, right? It's easy to be on our side and with our children and forget how someone like Sam, you said? Yes. How, yeah, how they see us, right? I mean, I'm, I'm old. Like, I see a cop. I'm like, Jesus, I probably trained that kid, you know? But a normal person, like, oh, my God, that's a cop. You know, and they start putting a seatbelt on or, you know, all center I'll tell you, it was, it, was eye-opening, it was eye-opening for me because yeah. I actually asked her. I said, so you're a black female and you're scared of the police. What about when another black female officer pulls you over? And I gotta, I, I gotta be honest. I was shocked. Yeah. Sam was not shocked. She said, "When you wear that uniform, you're you're different. Yep. You're a police officer, and that's it." And it, it kind of goes with what you were just saying. You know, I've I've gone places yeah. as well, and people just don't recognize me when I'm not in uniform. Sometimes it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's not. I feel like I come here every day. But the, <laughs> oh, uh, and then when he started talking. The other thing you were commenting on was the media, and we've talked about this. I don't want to go too off topic with this, but we've talked about this as well quite a bit. In South Florida, even I'll, I'll even stretch that to Central Florida, we've, over the last several years as an organization, we've come in contact with quite a few pro-law enforcement journalists, reporters, anchor uh, people, just, just people in the media in general and it's absolutely infuriating what a lot of people don't know and the general public, for the most part, I don't think realize how, how limited and handcuffed some of these reporters are. You talked about positive stories. We've had so many events. We've invited media to the events. What we've, what we've had happen is a couple of people will come on their own time with their own cameras yeah. on their own social media and they'll share it but they're not allowed to share it in the studio or on the station because it's not newsworthy. That's sad. Yeah. That's sad. So, so it, it happens. All right. Uh, so 18 years in law enforcement, let me ask you what, and I know you work out a lot for, for those listening to this that are either rookies, veterans, or just getting started. How important is it 
what, what level of importance do you place uh, physical fitness and training, not getting complacent and, and just keep working? Uh, out of one to 10, 11. And I, I practice what I preach, as you know. The, uh, the worst thing, the hardest thing, especially in patrol, and don't let anyone tell you anything different, patrol is the backbone of law enforcement. It is hard to stay sharp pulling cars over all the time. It's so hard to fight that routine, that boring, that, that just, just a regular stop. Or, you know, I, it, the importance of staying sharp is so important. You know I love teaching at the academy. I do that as much to help the recruits as I do for myself because it keeps me sharp. As far as the physical fitness, I... <laughs> There is one thing, and, I, and I've been in a situation on early with my career where I had that guy with the big gut, boots barely tied, where I'm, I'm running after somebody, I'm fighting his buddies on my back, and my, my partner's fat ass is out of breath. I'm worried about him having a freaking heart attack as I'm fighting two guys. <laughs> I, would, I never would want to be in a situation where I let one of my partners down, one of my brothers or sisters down because I was gassed. It happens. A lot of people today, and I'm seeing a lot of the recruits, and I ask, I'll ask class of 63, and I'm sorry I'm going off topic, but it will all pair in. No, you're good. They, they come in, <clears throat> say a class of 63, and I ask them, because, you know, I, I'm, I, was a, I was a DI. Who here has been punched in the face? I shit you not, through the years, the last few years, four or five hands go up. I'm like, where'd you get punched in the face? You know, and they would tell me, and it's always military. There's always like four military, there's always that one or two kid that grew up south. Well, I'm not going to get my house, but they kind of grew up, uh, you know, so I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see that. You know, it just blows my mind. But these are the same men and women that grew up with such a healthy respect for the law, maybe almost a fear, that in their mind, they're coming sloppy, barely out of shape. They don't, you don't pass PT here. We're a lot different in New York than we are, you know, down in Florida. New York, you got a mile and a half run, sit up, push-ups within a time. Regardless, if you can't do that, you shouldn't be a cop. But they they – don't really think of the reality like, hey, I should be in shape. They honestly think like they're just going to like have their badge. And people are like, oh, shit, the cops are here. I'm sorry, sir. I'm like, yes, you're going to be fighting. Um, yeah, and, I, and you me, know, one of, the, one of the things I had was observations from the academy because I know teaching yes. down there is important to you. From, yes. from when you went through the academy to what you observed to – being down there as a drill instructor, being down there as an 18-year veteran, I have to imagine it's just a different world. Well, let me tell you right now, these kids are coddled. Yeah. You know, you got chiefs now, and I'm not my real names. I mean, even though, you know, unfortunately, I happen to be honest and I say it down there. Honestly, I'm not going to fire me. I'll use my sick time. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm at that point now where I can start talking. I'll tell you what the biggest thing about is me. That guy should not pass field training. <laughs> that guy passed field training. That guy should not get through defensive tactics. We have chiefs calling us 
my guy, my guy was one of the best defensive instru- um, instructors out there. I mean, this guy was like, was just, I hated wrestling with him. I just told him, I go, you know, I'm going to set a thing. I go, I would just shoot you. I'm not even fighting you. I was just that good. They fired him because he would not put someone through. They didn't fire him. They asked him not to come back for the next sessions because he would not put people through if they couldn't back somebody up on the street. Like, he didn't want their death on his on his conscience. Um, and now you got these chiefs. They're, like, just passing through. They're calling down the academy. Just passing through. Just get them through. Whatever you got to do. I mean, this is today. When I went through and, and through the years of the academy, we boxed. <laughs> Boxing's gone. Now, uh, you can't swear at him. All right, I won't fucking swear at him. <laughs> get out of here. You know what I mean? You know, it just, it just they coddle him. You know, we had, there was actually one session where they said, we'd like for you guys to come in in normal clothes for the first day and just talk to them and help them out. And I'm like, is this fucking for real? Like, really? Like, I thought they were fucking with me. I came with my DI gear. I thought everyone was busting my balls. I was, they were literally legit. They were honest. This came from the board. It's funny. So, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget my first uh, prior agency going over to uh, night shift field training. Mm-hmm. And man, I remember this like it was yesterday. And we're going back 13 years. Um, the FTO specifically looks over and he says, have you been in a fight before? And I said, I have. He goes, no, as a police officer, have you been in a fight? Have you had somebody challenge you? I said, sir, I've only been you know, on day shift a couple of weeks and I had the academy experience. He goes, okay, drive here. He gave me directions to a convenience store. He said, uh, as we were on our way, he said to me, there's going to be a gentleman. This is his name. This is what he's going to be doing. This is where he is. He's going to fight you. I need to make sure before you ride in the car with me that I see you can fight. And sure enough, we got there. I thought this thing was a setup. Sure enough, Mm -hmm. just like he had mentioned, the guy was behind the business drinking a beer. I asked him to come over to the car, told me to F myself. Uh, we got into a little physical grapple and it led to an arrest and the same guy was arrested a dozen times after that. But I, I have to think these days that FTO that would, happen. would probably get in trouble. You know, it's, it's just, it's crazy. He, he would, you know, you are hard. I got to tell you what, you know, and I, I can only speak from the few places I've been. There used to be some great FTOs. Now, you know, it's just, most guys don't want to do it because you can't teach the kids right. Like me personally, I don't want to be an FTO. I want them after they're a year, after they've been out. I, I, I don't have the patience, and I probably fail half of them, um, which is not, you know, probably not cost-effective. I'll tell and you, I don't being mean an I FTO because, is extremely you know. rewarding, but you have to have yeah. the agency backing, like you previously mentioned. Yeah. You have to work on the same sheet of music. Yeah, and the problem is you don't. You have guys that are being passed that just shouldn't be passed through. Listen. I hate to see if anybody, like, I hate when these kids don't make it through the academy. Like, believe it or not, it does bother me. I, I hate to see it. Some just, you know, I, I hate to see someone's dream or career. But on the same note, I don't want somebody on the street where, you know, if I trained them and I knew, and I knew they shouldn't be on the street, if something happened to them, I don't want that on my conscience. And on the same note, I don't want that person on the street and I lose one of my best friends or myself because we knew that person shouldn't have been on the street. I mean, is filling a body. I mean, there was a time 
in law enforcement, as we talk about changes, it was quality, right? Quality. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, it's almost like if you have a heartbeat, you get a job, you know? And then guys that are good or bad, they don't get a job. In today's day and age, I don't think I've never been a cop. I probably will never pass through the background. It's it's absolutely scary. Um, uh, along the same topic, have you had so with in your career? Have you had some uh, absolutely amazing leaders, chiefs, supervisors, and what's the takeaway of how important that has been? You know, as far as impacting you as when you worked the road to have that backing, having that support. I'm fortunate because. I had one bad chief and I had two amazing chiefs. The first chief who brought me on ended up being like a a father figure to me. I mean, he really took me under his wing, gave me a chance. And, uh, you know, (laughs) he, uh, he was just, he was, uh, he was one of those guys that just, he led from the front. He was, he was just, uh, a hell of a chief. Uh, He was a hell of a cop. I mean, today's day and age, you probably wouldn't even get promoted because, you know, he's definitely not one of those guys that kiss up. Um, he was just uh, amazing. I learned a lot from him. Uh, learned how to write a narrative. You know, he's, you know, I mean, just he would just do it this, this, that. Really taught me how to investigate more and really convinced me, like, don't think that patrol is not important. You know, so, I mean, he was amazing. Sent me to a lot of training. And then I had another chief that was weak. I sat in his office, didn't talk to any of us, walked around with his white shirt, five stars. And I don't think he's ever, was ever even in a fight. It was just one of those ass kissing suck ups <laughs> who got promoted. I was see, I was so happy to see that he he did shit some shit and got himself resigned or get fired. So that was actually an enjoyable day for me. And then uh, my current chief was my partner. So you know that's an odd dynamic when your your previous partner is your chief. You know, unfortunately, you know I've always I do believe in chain of command, and I, and I you know I definitely you know respect. But he's one of those guys that he's an old school cop, and those old school cops know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So sometimes things got to be handled and taken care of, and he'll call me and my partner and say, "Look, we'll take care of this. You know, just just don't be on the news. You know, I mean. So I'm fortunate that I have that. You know, he'll let me go to any training I want. Um, and you know, just one of those guys that he leaves from the front. You know, there was a saying. That said, um, if you feel appreciated, there's not a thing you wouldn't do for your employer. But if you're not made to feel appreciated, you'll do bare bare minimum. And when I worked for bad chiefs, all right, what do I got to do? Because we don't have a quota, but we have an expectation. I would just do that. I would do nothing extra. But for my first chief and, and my current chief, you know, I, I always want to do the best job for him, follow up on anything, any calls, whatever, just to make sure that he looks good because he takes care of us. See, that's so important. And I don't know if that gets lost or when you get to certain levels, you just, I don't want to say you don't care. I don't know if it just gets put to the wayside with other priorities, but it's so incredibly true. I don't know any anybody in law enforcement that doesn't feel the exact same way. When they are supported, appreciated, respected, and, and taken care of, a sergeant, a lieutenant, a captain, a chief, all they have to do is ask, and it's, it's like instant, absolutely, what can I do? When can I do it? You got it. But when you yeah. have the opposite, 
it becomes a chore. It becomes uh, tedious and it's a task and it's not something you, you put your heart into. Oh, God, no. I'll tell you what. I never, you know, my old chief, I would be sitting home, my phone, I'm not answering that. And I'm not coming in. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck them. That's how I felt. You know, now it's, uh, I'll be right in. Or, or, I'm a few bourbons in, man. So I got to pass. I'm sorry. At least I picked the phone up, you know. It's, uh, you know, there's nothing you want to do for someone that you appreciate. And the problem is, is the problem, these chiefs and a lot of these different agencies have a lot, you know, you and I have a lot of different friends, and, you know, we talk to people across the country that, that we've met. And it's always these chiefs, somehow they put too many middlemen in front of them. Yes. You got that. And they forgot. Yeah, that's one problem. And I'm curious what your listeners, if they ever give you feedback on our conversation on this. Then you have the second ones that they never really did any police work. They always were that guy that when they walked into the locker room, everybody shut up, right? Everybody's actually out there doing police work, getting their hands dirty, this and that. That person is sitting on a sideline kissing up to the right fucking people and they're studying their ass off, right? Then you got the third chief, right? The third chief worked his way up through rank command, got there, and he's a cop's cop, right? And and he stays focused. I think that's easier in the mid-sized departments than it is in the larger departments. And then you have that final one that is in the department, but this is he just wants, or she, when I say he, he or she, she just wants to get known as a chief and already is looking at the next place. I think the third chief where cops, cop, rank and file work their way up, I think that seems to be more and more uncommon these days. Or, or when you do have those chiefs, when they become chief, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's what you said earlier where they just have too many people in front of them, but they seem to change. They change a lot of them. I think the problem is now, I think it's less and less. Because, I listen, no one's hiring me, and I know you. No one's hiring you to be a chief. Because we're not saying and doing what we need to do to get to ever get that position. You know listen, what I mean? I'm trying to not get fired as, as it is. I'm not worried about chief right yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, the, the day of, listen, the day of the... the the, the officer, male or female, that worked their way through the ranks, did the job right, good leaders, good this, that, are gone. It's the ass kisser, the, the, the person who's not doing police work, who's not taking after shifts, who's not pulling their own weight, helping out. Those are the ones that are getting promoted. They never even experienced what it was to be a cop. The real thing. They had the badge. They had the thing. They probably, those are usually the ones that are always speeding. They don't make a... Uh, a memo that if any officer tins their badge, you know, I mean, it's that guy, which I have a story about an officer, a chief. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you about another time. The, uh, those, those officers, male and female don't get promoted because they just, they're not doing that. And I will say this to you and I, and, and I'll end it with this. This is where police departments fail miserably. Okay. They'll promote this person to be a sergeant, right? They got the sergeant, they got the title. They're not a leader. You don't need a title for people to follow you to be a leader. People think about when you came on, right? Or even now, there is that officer in your department 
that you looked up to at one time like, man, I want to be like them. Did you just respect them? Or if you're with them and you're on a call, you know everything's going to be okay, right? You trust their judgment, what they tell you, this and that. You, you, you kind of would go with their lead, right? They don't need to be called sergeant. They're just leaders. Police departments miss that completely. Completely. You know, and they promote the wrong person. You know, you know it's funny. I, I was working with a sergeant that's got about 20-something years on. And he used, to, he used to constantly correct me and say, call me by my first name. And it used yep. to, it, it just, it, it bugged me because I felt so unprofessional and I felt like I was disrespecting him, but he, he was not about being called Sarge or Sergeant. He didn't want the title. He just, I'm one of you guys. Yep. I'm a street cop. I like to work. I like to get into yep. stuff. Let's do it. Yep. You know? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's those true. guys are few and far between. They really are. As I was saying, example, my chief, who's re- been retired for years now, I call him all the time. You know, I call him, hey, chief. He's always telling me to say, hey, call me Donnie. Chief, hey, chief. I just cannot call him by his name. In my right. phone, he's chief. Right. You know, so I get what you're saying 100%. All right, let me ask you, uh, switching gears a little bit with this whole COVID-19 situation, I feel for all you guys up there, it seems like it's a lot worse up there than it is down here, even though we've had some significant losses very close to us. How, uh, how have you guys been doing up there? How Has it been impacting you, your coworkers, your families? What's, what's the story up there? Uh, you know, I mean, the families... I think are more nervous about us, you know, getting it. Then they've read, you know, we just lost an officer um, who has some underlying issues who, uh, who passed away. It was hurt. You know, we couldn't do a, a funeral. So, we, you know, we all lined up all the cars across, you know, the, the uh, county and some from the state came up, which is really nice. And then uh, for the most part, you know, they really need to start opening up a little bit. I've probably been busier within the last three weeks, probably really two, than I have ever been in my career. I mean, call to call to call. I'm going in neighborhoods and areas that I've driven through, but I couldn't couldn't tell you the street. I actually have had to Google to go places to go to these domestics that I've never had to be on. I mean, literally like, wow, these are really nice houses. Happens to be common. People, people are saying the domestics and the mental health calls are definitely on the rise. Oh, my God. I was just about to say that. We literally get welfare checks for mental health calls nonstop. Hmm. Um, Scary. Yeah, I, I'm about an hour and a half up from the city for the main point. We have, we have different numbers, even though they were great. We're, we're, we're kind of coming down, but our, I'm not going to get into politics. <laughs> not a fan. Um, I, I think we're, uh, they need to really open up, uh, as far as the other, the other officers, you know, I tell you the biggest thing that's hurting a lot of them is, uh, they did, they did us, they did us a little dirty. So they were giving us, um, time and a half pay and you couldn't work your part-time jobs. So the thing was the time and a half pay can't work your extra part-time jobs. So, uh, for two weeks we were getting that. You know, you know, make it work a part-time job. So then all of a sudden, the county took all our money back that they gave us. They said, no, nah, we're not going to pay you this, but you guys still can't work your part-time jobs. Oh, wow. So 
we lost our our time and a half, and now we can't work our part time jobs. Most of us all make twenty, thirty grand a year working part time. So now, you know, none of us can do that. Wow. But we still have to work. So we're really getting screwed up here. And you know, well, you know, we can't even make the money up in uh, overtime, or and you know, a lot of times we make money up in court. There's no court. There's no overtime. And get some guys are being furloughed. You got to go home. We'll pay you. Can't drink, can't do this. It's just, it's uh, financially, it's hurting all of us. Scary. It's absolutely crazy. And it, what's even crazier is how different it is from agency to agency. There's agencies where everybody's getting a percentage increase for hours work. There's agencies yeah. where they're laying yeah. people off and everything in between. How are you guys as yeah, far as equipment goes with masks and gloves and all that stuff? Are you guys <laughs> taken care of? Uh, I didn't get, we didn't get gloves. We didn't get masks for until after two weeks. Then we finally got goggles. And uh, most of us were like putting bandanas on or something around our face. And uh, we had the gloves, always had the gloves. It was funny. You never seen. <laughs> The gloves go so quick. Um, we, we got those in. And then finally now, then we got our uh, New York uh, hand sanitizer, which is, you know, my, my hands are, I don't think they'll ever, like, be smooth again from that. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the the best thing, though, I tell you what, the one positive thing, I have never been in a fucking police station so clean. <laughs> I mean, these stations and the cars now are, freaking clean as hell beautiful i'm like did it take this for these guys to start cleaning up after themselves that's funny. like seriously that's funny um well yeah it's, you know i can't i can't i don't want to get into politics but i can't help but to bring it up thank god you're not new york city i know you don't work for nypd but i'll tell you it is yeah. it, it's like every other day we're seeing something yeah. on the news where uh, I'm just, I'm thankful that I don't work there. And I just feel so bad for our brothers and sisters that oh, do work there. So do I. I talked to them. We have friends there. It's horrible. Isn't you gotta it? Be, you got to be gotta crazy to get out of your car. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, they, they got to care. I mean, they have to carry out these orders that are unconstitutional. And I love it because I read on the messages. Well, you know the constitution. You guys should not be following those orders. Hey, fuck you! You're gonna pay their fucking mortgage or rent. You're gonna tell their kid you can't go to fucking. They're not gonna eat today because you're being true to something where no one else in the world is. You know, people don't get it. Would you? I you know. I, this is why I don't really want to go on social media because I'll just have a heart attack. Um, I just feel bad. Yeah, with, I feel with the lack of support. You know, we were talking about support. No, no support. Zero. Yeah, there's no support, and all this is doing. And this is this is what the most disgusting thing about this is, right? We're talking about support from people. They're not mad at the politicians. They're mad at the police. Right. Why are they mad at the police? We don't I don't know how many times I can say this. Even these people that are spouting the constitution out. I don't know one cop that's wrote a law. Do you? Exactly. You know, there was a, the Walton County Sheriff's Office here in Florida. They just put something on Twitter. I think I saw it yesterday. Somebody was really, really angry about something to do with a, either a beach being closed or a beach being opened or social distancing laws. And whoever was running their Twitter account said, all we do is enforce the law. We're not the ones yeah. making the laws. 
Exactly. And people don't get that. They don't get that. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you. know what's even more disgusting? And I forgot when you asked me. I can't believe how many freaking Karens there are in the world. <laughs> I can't tell you how many. I go to the station eat my lunch. I can't tell you the amount of fucking calls I get. I'm like, no shit. We'll be right there. Keep going. So, so Uncle G apologizes up. if your name is Karen, by the way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You, you know, I just use it as a you know, <laughs> Facebook reference. No, I get it. <laughs> fill, yeah, fill, fill in that nosy Rosie that's sitting in the mirror telling on everybody. I saw somebody in their backyard with their family. Bring SWAT. Stat. It's like, yeah, okay, we'll be right there. Like, I'm like, God damn, man. Excuse me, Lord. It just blows my mind. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. All right, I, I want to switch this to a motivational question, and I could tell you already, I know how I answer this. I'm going to ask, I'm going to play something, and then I'm going to let you answer the question. But the question is going to be, how do you stay motivated after all of these years with everything going on? And I'm going to tell you my answer is I find it so critically important to surround myself with positivity and not the nonsense, drama, and BS. Yep. Before you answer that, I'm going to play a quick, quick clip that really, it kind of spoke to me, and then I want to hear your answer. Mm-hmm. This is from, uh, it's, it's called Unbreakable from Fearless Motivation. Oh, that's great. So I play that because I could tell you from the phone calls we get, and we just had a couple not long ago from multiple people and personal experiences, there are people internally and externally hoping for us to fail. So I want to turn it over to you. 18 years successfully doing this job, having the mindset and positivity that you have, how do you do it? How do you stay motivated? You know, it's funny because I do listen to a lot of motivation. Actually, I have that on my um, my iTunes. That whole uh, that whole album, Fearless Motivation. I also like uh, Les Brown, Eric Thomas. Google them; they're they're really good. There's a uh, there's a saying: if you fall on if if you if you fall down, land on your back. Because if you land on your back, you can see your way up. Les Brown says that. Like it. I, I get down at times, and you you said something that I truly agree with. I don't surround myself with losers. I don't sound, surround myself with those that are always negative, have something bad to say, so unhappy, you know, miserable. I appreciate what I do for a living. I still love being a cop. There is a lot of things I hate that I get angry about, but there is so much good that I like to think that I've done that keeps me motivated. You know, listen, do I get bored going to the same damn call to the same damn house with the same damn people all the time? Of course I do. You know, but I'm at a different point now where I have to force myself to realize not everybody hates us, right? So what I do to keep myself motivated is I wave at people. Some wave at me, some don't. 
I don't care. I do that. I wave at kids. I love I love waving at kids, and uh, and I love the ones that wave back. I stop. And there have been many times that I have arrested somebody, and I have sat and talked to them like a human being. And talking to some of these people that I have arrested, they're not bad people. They made a bad mistake out of emotion. Some are actually good people. Some I'd like to think along the way I helped. I had not too long ago, I was walking in a store locally. I was with my kid. And this guy starts kind of giving me that look like he knows me. I'm like, shit. You know, like, where do I know this guy from? So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I tell my dog, why don't you just go to the car? So uh, he comes up to me, hand extended. I'm like, what's up? You know, I feel bad now because I was kind of like, kind of on guard. He caught me off guard. And he goes, you probably don't remember me. He goes, but about three years ago, he goes, you arrested me. He goes, I was in the drugs. He goes, I was in the back of your car. And you said, I haven't eaten. And he goes, I told you you haven't. I haven't eaten in a few days. He goes, you went to McDonald's to the drive-thru. You cuffed me in the front. Let me eat in the back seat. And then you let me call my mom before you brought me off to jail. Hmm. He goes, and you talked to me. And, uh, you know, turn his life around. He ends up working UPS now. And he's really doing good for himself. I guess he has a kid. So he thanked me. So... When I get down and when I don't want to waste my time talking to someone, I just think, ah, he's a fucking mind. I'll never change. I think of him coming up to me. And I think God put him in my life at that moment because I was really negative about the job. This was right. This happened like right during the whole Black Lives Matter when everybody hated us. Um, and that, that was important to me. So I, I, I always go to that when I start getting down, that we do make a difference. And you, know, you got to have somebody too. You got to have somebody call. My old chief, you know, it's like a dad to me. I always call him, like, as an example, the other day, I said, hey, chief, I go, you know, maybe I'm just sometime, maybe I'm getting too old and fall for this job. He goes, all right, what's that? I said, he laughs, hair enough for me, you know? So uh, I go, you know, I don't know, I get this kid I grab, you know, a bunch of Xanax, a bunch of drugs, this, that. I should have fucking arrested him. I go, you know, I brought him up to the hospital, I got him help, and, you know, I scared the shit out of him. But then I called his mom, you know. And I told the mother, you know, then I called the mother and the mother and I said, ah, I go, look, I go, I'm not going to charge a kid. He's 18 year old. The kid was real respectful. He could tell he comes from a good neighborhood. And, uh, I said, Hey, I don't want, I don't want your kid. I don't want to ruin 18 year old life for a, for a scratch. I go, look, this is what he had. This is where he's going to get it. He's probably using Snapchat. I go, it's not a bad kid. He was very respectful. It's probably why I'm not charging him. But, uh, he thinks he's going to jail. This kid was scared of shit. I go, hope it works. This mother wrote, and I told her, I go, I go, don't be thanking me at the department. Don't, don't send anything because, uh, you know, I can't, uh, I can't have that. You know, I don't want to be questioned. Right. So uh, she found me on social media to do a, uh, you know, my private stuff. I do, you and I both know. She found me there and sent me one of the nicest notes I've ever, I've probably ever received in my career. Hmm. So I'll tell my chief this story prior to getting that note, but he's like, he said to me, he goes, what do you think? He goes, what do you think your job is about making arrests? He goes, that's what you think your job is, cops. After all this time, that's what I taught you. He got ashamed. He made me feel like shit, actually. It's all stupid. You know, you talk about you're on that senior guy. I feel like a freaking rookie going, no, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, you know like, I, like, I feel like an idiot. But it's, that, it's, it's those little things that uh, keep me motivated. Man, At I this point, it's. I, I couldn't agree you know? more. I couldn't agree more because people ask all the time. They say, how do you how do you find the time to do all this and how do you do certain yeah. things and stay more? 
exactly like you said, we all have that one or two stories or individuals or life changing things. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Look at you, man. I mean, you made some big moves, changes, this guy and everything you do. It's, I mean, it's impressive, you know, um, I appreciate it. You You, you can't look back. That's, that's it. I like what you said. If you fall down, you land on your back so you can see your way up. I'm going to, I'm going to use that. All right. Next one, I'm going to, it's going to be, I'm going to throw three at you real short, real, real brief. Okay. So just maybe the first thing that comes to mind, your advice, your advice for somebody just now entering the profession. Are they already on the job? Like they, they went to the academy and they're hired. Let's do both. Let's do somebody applying and let's do somebody just graduated the academy. Someone applying, find a cop that's going to talk to you real. They can tell you the real good, the real bad, not the shit on IPD where there's just, you know, all the adventure. Someone that can really share the good, the bad, the scars. Every officer has scars. Those things that sometimes you need a little bourbon or to forget about that haunt you. Someone, they really learn that and know if it's for you. For an officer just coming on, stay with your physical fitness. They're out of the academy now. It doesn't mean stop working out. Stay on top of your physical fitness and listen to senior officers. Find out there's going to be FTOs you like. There's going to be FTOs that are worth the shit. They're just getting the extra percentage. Learn what you like from each one of them and take that and form that into you. Okay. And then for the, for the veteran, that's somewhere between say 10 to 15 years. They're not quite there yet, but they're over the hill halfway. You're too invested now, man, to quit. <laughs> you got too much time. <laughs> you rode that pension, man. Just suck it just up. Keep it tight. <laughs> suck it up. You got that pension, man. Just do what you got to do to get through. You know, when I, you know, when I get to that, when I got to that mark, you know, you, you start picking your battles, you know, you pick your battles, be, be smart, talk less to people, find something, find something. I got into, say what I really got into getting really getting good and finding drugs and getting the drugs and that midway part. It was a new way to challenge myself getting in the cars. Uh, there's, uh, that sheriff out of Maryland he used to be the trooper. Mike Lewis, I believe. I went to a lot of his things, learned a lot from him. He's amazing. Uh, that guy, that guy is truly amazing. Or even, you know, as well like I do, go back to the academy, do some training down there. You know, just, just you got to switch it up. It gets, especially if you're just in patrol, you got to switch it up, or you'll get bored. But you got too much time, and don't give them, don't give them that money. That's yours. Agreed. Advice for a brand new supervisor. Remember where you came from, and you don't know. Just because your supervisor doesn't mean you know it all. It does. Don't. It. It's okay to say, you know what? I don't know. Or ask that guy who maybe had more time on than you. And when I say guy, I always male, male or female. I'm from New York. We say guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> ask. There's no shame in that. Your your crew will respect you. Respect you more. All right, and wrapping it up. Um... This is going to be a tough one, and I'm okay if you need to take a second. Knowing what sure. you do now, would you do it all over again? Yes. Not even that tough for me. Oh, you yes. didn't even have to hesitate on that. Wow. No. 
No. With <laughs> all the ups and the downs, the scars, man, I would have never met you, bud. We'd have never been friends, right? Right. I've met so many good people. I mean, I'm talking cops, citizens, dispatchers, zone wives. I'm kidding about the last one, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I've met some good people along the way. There's like, there's no way would I ever, ever trade that. I would take it all. I mean, I, look, this was something I told Ricky all the time in the academy. I said, I wish I could be talking to you guys four or five years down the road right now, but there's something I want. I want you to remember. When you retire, it's over. You're done. Your department forgets about you. Some of the guys, you're going to drive guys that are on a job currently nuts because you're going to miss that talk. There is something that, and as I'm winding down, I think back on my career about the, now you, you know, the, that keeps me motivated. I told you that, but I'm going to tell you something I'll never forget. And this is what I tell the rookies. And this is what I tell the new guys, you know, they've been on for a little bit, you know, I said, look, slow down, enjoy it because you're going to miss that call where you were scared shitless, but you and your partner were busting cracks, even though you probably wanted to turn and run the other way. I go, then the stories that come after that. I go, you're going to miss the pranks, the jokes, whatever. But more importantly, what is going to mean the most to you that you will miss is that 3 a.m. in a parking lot, side by side, just talking about life. And then another unit comes, and the next, you know, you're all bullshitting and laughing. That is a moment and moments in your life you'll always remember and appreciate. I would never give any of that up. Man, I, you're bringing back some memories for me. I couldn't agree more. And it's this is where it's so it's so beneficial. It, it can literally make or break us when you're working with yep. good people at a good place. Yeah. Yep. All right. This one, uh, I know it means a lot for both of us. Obviously, it's the start of Police Memorial Week, so I could not possibly do a podcast with you without just discussing yep. briefly how important is this week? What's the week mean to you? And what do we tell somebody that has never been to the memorial in DC that is on the job? You are doing yourself a disservice as a police officer by not going to see, Lord forbid, if you fall, what is done for you, for your family, and how many family members you have there mourning for you. Um, for me, you know, I, I've lost a few friends, you know, on duty. Police week is always important. I go every year, as you know. And uh, it's important to, to all be there, the candlelight vigil, hearing the names read out, you know, just seeing the family members, being there for the family members to see us, you know, see all of us are there for their family. The, uh, the wall hits me every time. I visit my friends, you know, I, it hits me seeing all the things from the children written to their mother, their father, seeing spouses there, brothers, other fellow cops, mourning at the wall, you know. It's hard. I'm trying not to get emotional talking about it. So. Yeah, you know, uh, I, you, you just brought me you know. back to, uh, I was at the wall with a coworker of mine, friend of mine, Jason, mm -hmm. one of our volunteers, and mm -hmm. 
I want to say it was 2015 or 2016. I think it was 2015. Mm. And he's talking to this little boy and they're mm. just talking. And then out of nowhere, the boy says, oh, by the way, this is my dad. Do you want to see? And he points to the wall and there's a picture on the yeah. wall next to his dad's name. And yeah. that was one of the few times I've ever seen Jason shed a tear. I mean, it, that stuff yeah. hits you. If there ever comes a day that that doesn't hurt me, then I, I'll be done as a cop. I've, I've, I'd probably be done as a human being, to be honest with you. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's emotional, you know, but then, like all cops do, we go to Tent City and we all get bombed and bust each other's balls. Where can you go with 30,000 plus alpha male and females and there is no fights? <laughs> it's yeah. amazing, man. Cracks me up. True. You know, I would say, I would say the whole thing, it just puts it into perspective for me. And then I would also tell people that if you can't get up to DC, I mean, hell, we used to drive, we drove the trailer up there. It was not easy from down here all the way up there. And you guys kill us oh, with your, God. with your roads and your tolls and everything. But if yeah, you can't, if northeast. You, yeah. Oh yeah. If you can't get up to DC though, find your local state oh. memorial. Because pretty much every state has got something. We're lucky in yeah. Florida. We have a really nice uh, up in Tallahassee. We have a Florida State uh, FOP puts on a memorial, and yeah, just like up in D.C., man, I, I go there and it just it puts it into perspective. Being there with the families, letting the families see really the does. support. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and uh, before I close it off, let's uh, turn it over to you. Final thoughts. And then uh, I, I pretty much have you to thank for getting me into this whole cigar thing. So I'll let you give a shout out to maybe one of your favorite cigars that you might want to recommend. <laughs> and then any, uh, any yeah. final thoughts? Right, I'll, I'll, sure. Uh, for a cigar, you gotta like a, if you like a nice Maduro, I, I'm actually in love right now with the uh, Alec Bradley uh, Magic Toast or the Julius Caesar. Uh, those are two cigars that are have been robbing me lately. They're, they're, they're amazing. I'll definitely go with those two. My final thoughts, you know, just got to back each other. Just back each other. Be there for each other. Stay sharp. It's hard. We're in tough times. Stay positive. It's easy to hate everybody. I mean, it truly is easy. Stay off social media. Trust me. That That's really my final thoughts. It'll come back around for us eventually one day. So, that's it. I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. I hope you stay safe. And, uh, you as well. Thank you. In, in closing, what we typically do with these podcasts and tradition, we like to show that we mean it when we say we will never forget. So we honor a fallen police officer that was killed in the line of duty on the same day as the podcast just an earlier year. Unfortunately, in Florida, there was two that I picked out. Hallandale Beach Police Department Deputy Marshal Clyde Dixon and Marshal Philip Lee were both shot and killed while attempting to make an arrest on May 10th, 1928. The suspect was later shot and killed after approximately 150 law enforcement officers were able to locate and capture him. Following up with that, about almost 25 years later, Gulf County Deputy Sheriff Moses Hill was unfortunately beaten to death after responding to a domestic disturbance on May 10th, 1950. When Deputy Hill entered the home, a male subject violently attacked him with a rifle. Deputy Hill was able to fire one round from his revolver, 
and struck the suspect in the chest. The shot did not stop the suspect, who continued beating Deputy Hill until a member of a nearby utility crew heroically tackled the suspect. Deputy Hill served with the Gulf County Sheriff's Office for just two years and previously served with the Port St. Joe Police Department. He left behind his wife and three children. May we never, ever forget their sacrifice and always honor them. Thank you again, Uncle G, and be safe out there. You too. Bye-bye.